This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelor. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. Terry, it's so good to see you. It's been a minute since our last conversation. I'll link to that previous podcast episode and dialogue that we had because I know that I took so much from that conversation. It's wonderful mm-hmm. to have you back since we spoke. Great. You've written a book called yes. Us, Getting Past You and Me to Build a More Loving Relationship. Oh my goodness. This book is incredible. Oh, thank you, my dear. Yeah, I'm very proud of it. Bruce Springsteen wrote the forward to it. <gasps> Bruce! Oh my gosh, yeah. my dad would just... That's amazing. Yeah. How did you get yeah. Bruce to write the forward? Well, as he says in the forward, he's very generous and open. He and Patty worked with me on their relationship. Wow. He writes, he writes about it in the forward. Incredible. You've worked yeah. with some incredible human beings and couples over the years. I mean, hundreds. And you've really, I mean, dedicated your life to doing this work and supporting people in their relationships. Why is this so important to you? Why do relationships matter? Well, we're coming apart at the seams as a society, as a culture, as a planet. And this book, Us, is full of practical advice about how to handle yourself in your romantic relationship. But it goes beyond that. It's really a critique of what I call the toxic culture of individualism, which I think is pulling us apart, both in our personal relationships and as a culture, as a society, as a planet. And I'll start off abstractly. The culture of individualism, and in one chapter, I actually do the history. You know, the idea of a rugged individual is not forever. The Middle Ages didn't believe in that. It was created by a bunch of wealthy, white, privileged men in the Enlightenment. It it has a history. And the idea that you are an individual has two components to it. The word individual means you're apart from nature. You're separate. That's what the word means. I'm not in nature, I'm apart from it. And the culture of individualism fuses with the culture of patriarchy, which I've been writing about for 30 years. Individualism says we're apart from nature. Patriarchy says we're above nature and we dominate it, we control it. In the King James Version, anyway, God gave Adam dominion over all the things that crawl and creep and fly on the surface. This is a really bad idea. Mm. The Greeks called it hubris, overweening pride. And it was the downfall of every tragic hero was their pride. Nowadays, we would call it grandiosity. But I want to tell you, the idea that we stand apart from nature and that we control nature is a really toxic idea whether the nature that we're trying to control is our partners, 
I would be happy if you would only. Our kids, shut up and do what I tell you. Our bodies, I need to lose 10 pounds. I'll tell you a funny story. My internist says he wants to write an autobiography and call it How I Lost 10 Pounds in 40 Years. That's why. <laughs> Brilliant. I've got to control my mind. I've got to stop thinking these negative. Power over and control is a profound central idea to Western civilization and its poison. And it poisons our relationships to ourselves. We're harsh critics of ourselves. It poisons our relationships to the people that we love. It poisons our society. I'm really proud that while most of the book is about personal relationships, it really starts with neurobiology and it fades out to racism, sexism, the environment, planet, and spirit. We need a new paradigm. We need to trade in dominance and power over with cooperation and collaboration with nature, with our own minds, with the people we love. If we don't figure out how to come out of that dominance model into what I call a relational model, we're in big trouble, both in our personal lives and collectively. So that's what this book is tackling. No small feat that you've taken on over there. No small feat. I mean, I feel like we could just end the episode right there with that brilliant <laughs> monologue that oh, you just yeah. delivered. I'm just it up. You know, it was so interesting when I was reading the about section of the book and you mentioned toxic individualism. And I was like, well, excuse my ignorance, but I don't even know what that is because individualism is so deeply interwoven into our Western culture. It's just like you are an individual and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But what you're saying is so, so true. And what we know is that our minds, our bodies are so deeply connected to those around us that our biology is mirroring those around us from the time that we are born, even in the womb. And so these relations that we're having with others, with animals, with plants, with nature, with earth in general. I mean, right now I feel in so many ways that earth with the symptoms of global warming that we're experiencing, we are seeing how we are impacting earth. It's all reflecting back to us. And so talk to me a little bit about how this connection that we have with everything can either help or harm us. Well, yeah, I mean, the symptoms are everywhere. I write in the book, COVID was in our lifetime anyway, the first planetary assault on humanity at a global level. But I doubt it's going to be the last. You know, today we wear cloth masks and tomorrow we may wear gas masks. We better wise up. But you see, it's all the same thing. The idea that we can endlessly throw trash in the ocean is the same idea as I can endlessly have temper tantrums in my marriage. One of the things that I say, our relationship is our biosphere. We don't stand apart from it. We're in it. We breathe the air of our relationship. And you can choose to pollute your marriage, let's say, by being a jerk over here. But you're going to breathe that pollution in in your partner's withdrawal over there. There's no escape. You're linked. And once we realize that we're not above 
our relationships, we're inside our relationships, then we can trade in that individualistic dominance model for what I call ecological humility and wisdom. Happy spouse, happy house. You know, I get these big burly guys and they say to me, why should I have to work so hard to please my goddamn wife? And I go, uh, knock, knock. Hello, dummy. You live with her. Let's start with that. <laughs> and the same thing goes for the women as well, right? Like for whatever context of relationship you're in I mean, with your partner, right? Yeah. It's in your interest to keep that biosphere clean. You and your partner are a team. That's the essence of this book, us. Uh, You don't devolve into you versus me mentality. It's the two of us working together to make this, you know, the relational answer to the question, who's right and who's wrong, is who cares? It's not about that. It's about how are we going to work together to make this. But it's the difference between sex, sex, I need more sex in this relationship, and saying, hey, sweetheart, we both deserve to have a good sex life. What do we need to do to jumpstart this thing? Mm-hmm. It's a whole different energy. It's a different vocabulary. And it's a different set of tools that I go into in detail in the book. You know, for example, I have a saying, you can be right or you can be married. What's more important to mm-hmm. That's not the tool. The tool is, okay, what do you need? I'll tell you what I need. Let's negotiate this thing in a way that's going to work. I talk about empowering your partner to come through for you, just as you empower yourself to assert your wants and needs. You do need to have a voice in your relationship. I'm not throwing the individual out altogether, but it's the individual in context. It's not about me, 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 me. It's about us. What do we need to do to make this work for both of us? Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, Country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B A B B E L dot com slash Robbie Talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best 
friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code rawbeautytalks at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code rawbeautytalks. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. I was going to save the audience question till the end, but I feel like there's one that's really poignant in regards to this conversation that we're having right now. She says, how do I patiently continue to hold space for my partner who is struggling with stress It could be health, mental health, whatever else it is that's showing up. I feel like I'm always the cheerleader and support system for their issues and I'm running out of patience. So when you're in this bubble with somebody who is going through a hard time themselves, and it could be whatever. I mean, I've been going through a tough time with my mental health over the last few months, and I'm very aware that that impacts my partner. We also all have to give ourselves some grace. We're all going to have different experiences in life that are going to come our way. So I would love to hear your thoughts on this. How in that context do we come together as we when it feels like you're the only one showing up? You know, first of all, it depends. I'd have to ask this person a couple of questions. Is this a temporary situation? Right. Is this a situation where your partner, like as in your case, going through a hard time for a couple of months and you need to show up for them? Or is this a situation where it's always one-sided and you're always the cheerleader and they're not? Yes. If it's the first, then get some support for yourself, not from your partner, but from others. Take good care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Go to the spa, go to the gym, go get a massage. Caretaking yourself is the prerequisite for being able to not burn out and be there for them. So I'm always interested in Mm self-care in the service of the relationship, not antagonistic to the relationship. So take good care of yourself and be generous. You're not giving to him. You're giving to the relationship. And you have the wisdom of understanding the relationship will turn around and give back to you when you're in need. Mm. The minute you frame it as he wins and I lose, You're in that you and me consciousness. It's win-lose, adversarial. You've forgotten that the two of you are a team. You don't give to your partner. You give to the biosphere because the biosphere will give it back to you. If it does, if you're skewed and it's always one-sided, then I have the opposite advice. Stop being so giving and stand up for yourself. Mm. Hey, look, this is really feeling asymmetrical. I'm always giving to you. How about some coming my way? I don't like it. But I teach people in general and women in particular how to stand up for themselves because we screw it up. And this is what I mean. When most of us finally get around to standing up for ourselves, we do it like an individual. I was weak. Now I'm strong. Go screw yourself. I I am woman. Hear me war. (laughs) I found my voice and like, uh, just go to the back corner. No, I I want you to have more savvy than that. In individualism, in patriarchy, you can either be connected or you can be powerful. 
but you can't be both at the same time. Mm. Because power is power over. When you step into power, you break connection. So the usual polarity is connection, accommodation, making peace, quote unquote, feminine, assertion, power, independence, competence, quote unquote, masculine, never the twain shall meet. And what happens particularly with women is they chantle from the traditional feminine connected accommodating over to the traditional masculine i'm fed up and you know you can go screw yourself i don't want that i want to break up the polarity i want to move beyond the dichotomy i go into this a lot in the book i teach people in general and women in particular what i call soft power loving power Mm. how to cherish your partner and stand up for yourself in the same breath. I would have this woman say, hey, look, it was chronically asymmetrical. Hey, look, I'm your cheerleader, and I don't feel like you give it much back in my direction. And that's okay for a while, but it feels unfair, and I'm feeling resentful, and that resentment is going to show up in lack of sexuality, lack of generosity. I just don't feel like giving you it. I need you to fill up the tank a little bit. Mm. Would you be willing to do that? I think it's healthy for both of us. That's soft power. I am feeling this. I would like that. I think it's good for both of us. And then if you really want an A+, listen to this. So the guy says, okay, I'm going to give you more and be less of a big baby. You're right, Annie. I get it. Now listen to this one. That's terrific. Is there anything I could do to help you come through for me? Who the hell ever asked that? (laughs) That's A plus relational. What can I do for you to help you give me what I want? Is that what you mean when you refer to empowering your partner to show up for you? Absolutely. So you're opening the door for them to also make requests to also figure out what it is that they need and to think about that even maybe they don't know right away is the other thing but sometimes when we ask these open-ended questions they leave and they have a moment to process okay what is going on with me right now yeah right you know i would like you to be less critical of me you're right i I have been kind of a witch lately i'm gonna be nicer to you yeah Okay, is there something I could do to help you be less critical of me? Yeah, actually, you could pick up your socks off the floor. <laughs> a little more fun. Now you're talking about my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one in our relationship who leaves cupboard doors open and uh-huh. you know flies around the house at a million miles per hour. And poor Scott, who's like very organized and likes everything in his place, is like, oh, this woman. But he's also learned as well, you know, I'm aware of how I can just slow down a notch and leave spaces tidier. And he has softened and recognized sometimes he can take a breath and it's not going to be the end of the world. It's not worth a fight if the cupboard door is open. He can just gently close it. But here's the thing. I love what you said. Take a breath. And we have a saying in relational work. Urgency is our enemy and breath is our friend. And what your husband is doing when he takes a breath, and I go into the neurobiology of this in the book, is he's literally recalibrating his brain. Mm. See, the wisdom 
of I don't need to make a fight over this cabinet means that you are centered in the most mature part of your brain, prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that develops last in an individual uh, 26 years old by the time it's done developing. And the most mature part of the brain of humans as a species. The problem is that we don't always live in that, I call it, wise adult part of us. Here's how it goes. The autonomic nervous system scans our body four times a second. Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? If the answer is, yeah, I feel reasonably safe, we stay centered in that wise adult part of us. But if the answer is no, I'm in danger, whoosh, we're flooded. Mm -hmm. That mature part of the brain shuts down, much more primitive parts of the brain light up. Our endocrine system is pumping stimulants into our bloodstream. We all know what it feels like, the heat of that moment. And we move into automatic response, fight, flight, or fix, some compulsive knee-jerk response. And the hallmark of that flooded response is, is automatic. Yeah. It's like that. Reactionary. Yeah, it's reactionary. And literally, it's a less mature part of our brains and of our personalities. I call it the adaptive child part of us. It's the automatic response that comes from our trauma, to be honest, and from the way we learn to cope with our trauma. A great psychotherapist, Gabor Monte, says, you rarely see the wound, you see the scar. Um. And when I'm working in relationships, you don't see the early injury. You see the way the person has adapted to that early injury. And I'd like the people listening today to out themselves. Look, I know, Aaron, that 364 days out of the year, you're in your wise adult self. I'm not. (laughs) One little day when you're fucked up. Where do you go? Fight, flight, and you could be six inches away from somebody and still be fleeing. That's called stonewalling yeah. or fix. I will only be happy once we take this tension away. So would you out yourself? What are you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I am for sure flight. I shut down. I get very quiet. And then my brain goes to this isn't going to work. And yeah. there's no conversation. There's no dialogue. My whole body goes constricted. I get anxiety and I turn into that four-year-old girl who in moments heard my parents fighting. You know, anytime there's conflict, it takes me right back. I have a very visceral response. I often say when I'm coaching individuals, if you're seeing or noticing a hysterical response, which could look like anger, fear, an outburst, that reaction, it's often historical. It's not about the current moment. It's not about the fact that I didn't get my way or in this specific moment about, you know, whatever silly thing it is, it's something from the past. And so this is what I find so beautiful about relationships. It's like you've been put into this container, picture you and your partner, you know, many versions heading into a Tupperware container, and it's just the two of you. And you're about to reveal in one another 
any wounds that need to be healed, Mm. any areas that can be triggered, it's all going to bubble up. So you can work on it with this person and you need somebody who's willing to do the work with you, right? Who's not just going to run in the other direction and hide in the corner of the container the whole time. But you can do this work with each other and every relationship is going to experience these moments. But the relationships also provide the greatest healing. healing. Yeah. You know, I like that. Hysterical is historical. I'm going to steal that. My language for that is there's no such thing as an overreaction. It's just that what you're reacting to may not be what's in front of you. Right. It may be what's behind you. What happens to us, as you know, is that we get trauma triggered. What that means is that something in the present is close enough to what happened to you in childhood that you get confused and the past superimposes itself. There's no such thing as trauma memory. You're not saying I'm walking down Main Street remembering when I was that little girl. Viscerally, physically, you are that little girl. Mm. That's how trauma works. And we have usually about 10 seconds worth of tolerance for the injury, the wound that we feel overwhelming. And then this adaptive part of us kicks in to take over. And you do what you learned to do to cope back then. In your case, you shut down. In my case, I fight. In Mm -hmm. somebody else's case, they have to fix it and make it all better. And this adaptive child part of us is what I spend a good part of the book uh, teaching people to get to know. Yes. Shake hands with the adaptive child part of you. And Erin, I teach my students, I want us therapists and partners to always be respectful of the exquisite intelligence of that adaptive child. You did exactly what you needed to do back then. Your out-of-control, boundaryless fighting parents, it was like shrapnel. They were emotionally splattering all over the house. And little four-year-old Aaron shut down to protect yourself. I can't imagine what would have happened to that little girl if she hadn't been smart enough to shut down. Good for you. Mm. But I have a saying, adaptive then, maladaptive now. You're not that four-year-old, and Scott is not your screaming parents. And he has resources like kindness and accountability that they may not have had. And you have resources that that little girl didn't have. So the art is what I call relational mindfulness. It's deliberately cultivating the muscle, the skill, in those triggered moments of coming, take a breath or 10 Take a break. I'm a big fan of breaks. Yeah. Go walk around the block. Do what you need to do to tend to that little girl. Help her feel safe, but put her in the back seat. She's not driving the bus. You are. Mm-hmm. And she may need to shut down because she's overwhelmed. But you, the adult Aaron, can do better than that. You know, when my wife, Belinda, and I are fighting, she's a fighter, I'm a fighter. (laughs) I take my little Terry, I have a composite, he's about eight, I know him very well. And I put him behind me, physically, he holds on to my shirt. And I have a deal with him. 
I say to him, look, between you and the anger that Belinda is coming at us with is me, my adult self, my big body. Her anger ends with me. You're protected back there. Mm. That's my part of the deal. Here's your part of the deal. You let me deal with Belinda. Don't right. you let me deal with her. We'll make a mess of that. And that's what there are a million techniques that I go into of coming out of that knee-jerk adaptive child response into something more thoughtful, more mature, more healing, more relational. And the good news is that we can cultivate that. We can get better at it as we practice it. And it really is the way out of this mess. Mm -hmm. That adaptive child part of us will never use skills. It doesn't want to. It will never be intimate. It's about me, 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 and self-preservation. It's only the wise adult part of us that can remember that intimacy is a good thing. And so our first job is coming out of that triggered automatic response into something. You know, I've gone around the country for decades teaching relationship skills workshops. And my favorite slide of the workshop is this one. Other workshops teach you skills. We deal with the part of you that won't use them. Mm, I love that. I love that you also shared that you and your wife have arguments and that your relationship isn't perfect. I don't think that's the goal. The goal is to evolve in your relationship, to heal, to find these strategies in order to find a deeper sense of connection and intimacy. And so we can anticipate that we'll be triggered. We can anticipate that there will be moments where, you know, we're butting heads or where we've moved into fight, flight, freeze. And when we know that that's a normal part of a relationship, then it feels easier to stay. I have a question for you that also feels really relevant to me in my own life right now. She says, our biggest struggle is knowing what balance is, how to achieve it, how to show up for our kids, our work, our friends, our family, while eating healthy, exercising, meditating, doing some sort of hobby, having downtime, traveling, but enjoying your home. The list goes on and on. It seems very daunting sometimes, like you're doing it all, but you can't be great at everything you're skimming by how do you find balance in your life with your partner when there's so much going on well you can take a look to see if you could scale back a little bit and have a little less going on both Belinda and I lead very busy lives we start off in the morning meditating together we unhook and we sit cross-legged knee to knee for 30 minutes meditating and we end most days cuddling and watching a TV show. Yeah, yeah, I could be reading the Encyclopedia Britannica, and I'm sure that would be better for me, but too bad, you know. Just relax a little bit and maybe be a little less focused on self-improvement and a little more focused on enjoying each other. Mm. And then, you know, this, this person, God bless her, she wants it all. And you can have it all, but maybe not all within 24 hours. Mm. Uh, space it out. The kids are overscheduled. Family time is way too rushed. Maybe your kid doesn't need to be a tennis pro and a golf pro and a baseball pro and speak Greek and Hebrew. <laughs> you know, maybe everybody can be a little less ambitious and take some time to hang out. As a family therapist, I hate the notion of quality time. 
quality time is the yuppie invention that says like I can be on my phone 30 hours a week. And if I spend one hour a week really focused on you, that makes up for no real families operate on the sidelines. You know this. You want to have a deep conversation with your kid, drive them somewhere. Right. They'll talk to you from the back seat of the car while you're driving. Them yeah, it's true. But sit down, look at them in the eye, go, okay, we're gonna have a deep conversation. Good luck. <laughs> it definitely doesn't work that way. No, families work on the sidelines, but you have to show up and there has to be some sidelines. So I think that we Americans are entirely too child-centric. I think we ignore the needs of ourselves as a couple, Mm. which is not good for the kids any more than it is for us. And I think we're way too overscheduled and we need to hang out. Family nurture comes from hanging out. So be less ambitious and hang out a little more. I love how when Scott and I first started doing our date nights, you know, I felt bad about leaving the kids and now mom and dad, neither one of them are going to be home to put the kids down to bed. I don't know. It felt more natural and better to have one of us home to put down the kids. Our kids love it when we go for date night. They like seeing mom and dad go to have fun together and happy. We have our first big trip coming up that we've really taken since having the kids and they have so many questions about it. We're talking about how mom and dad are get to go play together and we're going to go on an adventure like they do with their friends. And we're going to come back and, you know, have so much energy and you can see that there's something in them that finds peace. I don't know. They like it. They like seeing that our kiddos need that as well. And doesn't mean having to take a big trip. It can be these little pockets in the day of connection like you have with your wife where maybe you're just watching that show together or having a coffee at the beginning of the day for 10 minutes to touch base. Those threads meeting that ultimately hold together the quilt of your relationship. You know, we've never wanted more uh, from our relationships than we do now. We really want to be lifelong lovers. Mm. And we want great sex. We want heart-to-heart talks. We want to be hand in hand walking down the beach in our 60s and 70s and beyond. But one of the things I say is if you want a lifelong lover relationship, you have to act like a lover in it. And lovers don't neglect each other for three or four days at a time. Lovers aren't sexless in the energy that they throw at each other. You have to have good boundaries. You have to feel like you can do this with your partner and they won't like land in your lap. But given that you have respectful boundaries, be a little bit erotic with each other during the course of work. If Scott's doing the dishes, go over and say something really filthy in his ear and laugh and walk away. This is what a mistress would do in an affair. Absolutely. This is what we yeah. do early on in our relationships. And right. then we expect, because we see these like Hollywood type relationships, that that will just naturally stay forever. That if that passion isn't there automatically, that there's something wrong with the relationship, but I've come to realize you have to work at creating that passion. You have to bring it to the relationship. And the more that you're bringing it, the more that it like stokes that fire and it's naturally there, but you got to keep investing in it. You do. And all relationships are an endless dance of harmony, disharmony, and repair. Mm. Closeness, disillusionment, and a return to closeness. 
And the difference between the early stage relationships or an affair is the, the whole pattern of disillusionment and the return to closeness. In our culture, we don't teach couples how to move through disrepair into repair. All of the skills are about moving into repair. We don't even acknowledge that you have to repair. A great couple is always harmonious. You know, I've gone around the world for 20 years talking about what I call normal marital hatred. <laughs> I had a <laughs> In 20 years, not one person has come backstage and said, Terry, what do you mean by that? I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the but what happens is, when you're knocked out of that harmony and you're in a state of disharmony, then you lose that wise adult us. And more primitive parts of the brain get triggered, the adaptive child, and it becomes you versus me. It becomes a win-lose power struggle. And when you're thinking like that, when your partner is an adversary and you're no longer a team, you're done, you're screwed. Take a break and get your head back on straight. Because every time you open your mouth when you're in that place, you're going to create more and more trouble. So the first skill is recalibrating. And I call it keeping your eyes on the prize. Keep your wits about you. Remember what you're about. I speak about remembering love. Remember that the person you're speaking to is someone you care about. And if you can't get there, remember, you have to live with a son of a bitch. So it's in your interest to keep that biosphere working. Yeah. It's not about he wins and you lose. The minute you start thinking like that, you're done. It's about what does my relationship need in order for it to be working together? We're in this together. I could talk to you for hours and hours, and I cannot wait to get my hands on this book. Us getting past you and me to build a more loving relationship. It's now available. I'll make sure that I link to it down below. One last question for you. Of the thousands of couples that you've worked with and seen, are there certain elements to a relationship where you can pinpoint this is going to be a successful couple or is it sex communication time spent together what are it's the components that. it's none of that it's consciousness does the couple go crazy fine i don't care does the couple not have the sex life they like i don't care is there a container around the issue is there a frame do you fight like cats and dogs okay but then are you accountable? Do you make up? Is there repair? Mm. Do you lose the passion between the two of you? I don't care. But then does one or the other say, you know what? I haven't felt like I need to rip your clothes off in months. Let's go to a hotel. Yeah. I don't care what the issues are. What I care is, is there an us? Is there a consciousness that will catch the issues and say, let's repair this. Let's make that better. That is the hallmark of a successful couple. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can everybody find you if they want more, when they want more? I'm going to make sure I link to our previous conversation, your books down below, your website. Am I missing anything? Yeah, I want people to go to my website. It's just my name, terryreal.com, T like Thomas, E-R-R-Y-R-E-A-L.com. We have a great inventory 
You can take a quiz and figure out just how screwed up you are. And even more important, <laughs> just how your partner is screwed up. And I want to invite everyone to our first ever US workshop, an online experiential course slash workshop for both individuals and couples who want to learn how to live this way and how to learn and sharpen these relational skills so that we can really have the relationships that we want and deserve. Amazing. I can't wait for everybody to check it out. Love that this type of thing is now so much more available online after the last couple of years. It's one of the gifts I think that we've had is that it's just accessible to everyone, no matter where you live, no matter what's going on. I also want to remind you that even though we sometimes have quote unquote relationship issues, we can often work on those as individuals. And really that's where it starts. So whether you're seeing a relationship therapist, reading a book by yourself, journaling, becoming a little bit more conscious of who you are, your triggers, you know, your childhood and how that's coming to the relationship. It's such an exciting journey when we start to, you know, really tune in and turn inward. And so you've got this, you're doing great. Take what sits with you from this relationship, leave the rest behind. And I can't wait to see you next week. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Rob Beauty Talks community at Rob Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.